what constitutes slavery. You were bought with a price. Being a Christian was being a slave to Jesus Christ. I am a slave. Holy and completely I belong to another, not myself. I have been bought with a price and my entire life is shaped by the will of the one who bought me. Look away from yourself. Look to Christ. Look to the cross. Look to the obedience of the perfect one on your behalf. Look to the resurrection. Look to the reign of Christ as the ruler of the kings of the earth. Look to the Holy Spirit poured out upon all those who put their faith in Him. And may God grant that in looking, you will see Him compellingly superior to all other masters, especially the master of sin. Being a slave to Jesus Christ is beyond any kind of slavery that anybody ever knew because this master makes us sons and gives us all the rights of his own sons. He adopts us into his family, calls us joint heirs with Christ, takes us to heaven where we rule and reign from his own throne and pours out all the lavish riches in his possession forever and ever and ever for our own unmitigated joy and his own glory. Who wouldn't want to be a slave under that master? Welcome to Dulos Radio. I am your host, Pastor James Ginther, and I am here with no one. That's right, the very first episode is a solo episode. Hopefully, in the future, we'll be able to have a couple more people join us, have some interesting discussions. But for today, what we're going to look into is... Why in the world are we calling ourselves Dulos Radio? Why are we taking this name? What does Dulos even mean? Well, glad you're asking, because that is the primary thing that we're going to talk about today. So, when we look at Dulos, Dulos is a Greek word, so we know that the Bible is not originally written in English, right? Bible was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament, some Aramaic in there, and then the New Testament is written in Greek. And so whenever we're looking at the original manuscripts of the New Testament, we are seeing them in the Greek language. And so as we're reading, we'll come across this word and it's doulos. Doulos is primarily translated as servant in your Bible. So if you open up to Romans 1 or um, a whole plethora of different passages, you'll see that this Greek word doulos is translated as servant. It's also translated as bondservant. 
Um, one translation, and this one's kind of my favorite, it says that it is Bond Man. I love that. I love Bond Man. And it reminds me of like a r- guy who's like really into James Bond. He's a Bond Man. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, looking at the original language, the clearest definition of the word is actually slave. So, although it's primarily translated as servant, it is more correctly translated as slave. And there's a whole host of reasons why translators don't want to go there. Part of it is the connotation that slavery has. We have to understand that slavery in ancient times isn't the same type of slavery that we see in the United States. Slavery in Jesus' time is not the racist chattel slavery that we see in early American history. But yet, when we hear the word slave, that's what we tend to think of. The um, Holman Bible Dictionary defines a slave as a person that is totally responsible to and dependent upon another person. This is a little bit different than American slavery. American slavery was totally wrong. It was undefensible in a uh, biblical worldview. We can't really say, oh yes, this is this was okay for these people to be doing this. Um, one of the reasons why we are able to look at American slavery and we can say absolutely not is because the Bible itself says absolutely not. Um, the slavery that we find in America, the ones that we have these horrible scars in our country about, th- this slavery is first and foremost kidnapping. There was Africans that were kidnapped, brought to America to be slaves. And the scriptures, they are clear about this. In Exodus 21, 16, it says that he who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he's found in his hand, shall be put to death. So the Bible's looking at this American slavery, this horrible thing that happened in our history, and says that those who are responsible for this, those who kidnapped these people, should be put to death. And so when the Bible's talking about slavery, that's not what they're talking about. It's talking about this ancient system. And so for us to understand what we're talking about today, it is necessary to understand what slavery in ancient times was and wasn't. We look at ancient slavery. We see that a whole bunch of people were slaves. In Jesus's time, it's very common, very common. In fact, in the biggest city at the time, right, Rome is the powerhouse. You have the Roman Empire. Rome is the seat of that. Within that city, within Rome, one out of three people were slaves. And outside of the city, outside of Rome, outside of current Italy, one out of five people were slaves. Whenever we are talking about slavery, whenever the Bible is talking about slavery, it's talking about something that's very common, something that is not unusual for the people today. And when we look at this thing, we have to be able to distinguish that. We have to understand why so many people were slaves. And there's a lot of reasons. It wasn't just because someone kidnapped them. A person could become a slave as a result of being captured in war. So you lose a battle, you're captured in war, and instead of executing you on the spot, they say, oh, we'll make you a slave. 
Um, they were slaves because they couldn't pay off debt, right? So they incurred debt upon themselves and they didn't have money to pay it off. So they had to work it off. Some people, they had the inability to support themselves or their families and they voluntarily sold themselves as slaves. Um, some children, they were sold into slavery by destitute parents. Some people were born as slaves. Some criminals, instead of being executed, they were forced to work off their debt to society by becoming a slave. And so when we look at ancient slavery, it cuts across races, it cuts across nationalities, it affects everybody. There's a large portion of slaves, and it's not an uncommon thing. Legally, a slave had no rights. So even back then, slaves didn't have rights. But within this society, because there's so many people who are slaves, most of them were treated humanely. And a lot of these slaves, they're actually better off than many free people. Many slaves, they were considered part of the family. They were loved by their masters. Whenever we're looking at this, we're looking at a totally different picture than what we usually think of as slavery. Even then, it was biblical principles. So we look at the Bible, we look at biblical principles of humanity being made in God's image. We see human dignity and worth. We see that people are created equal by God, right? So he puts his image on the human race. And so for this reason, everybody has value and dignity and worth. And these are the principles that eventually were used to abolish slavery. These are the things that Christians were able to point to and say, wait a second, what we're doing is wrong. This whole entire thing is not right. We should get rid of this. But that didn't happen for quite some time. And in the ancient world, slavery was an unfortunate institution. But in many cases, slavery was able to save lives. And so it's in this context, in the ancient context, that Paul and many other biblical men took on the title of doulos to Christos, slaves to Christ, right? And so they take on this title. They say, well, Paul himself, look how he introduces himself in many books. He says, Paul, a slave to Christ Jesus. That's how he introduces himself. He could have said an apostle to Christ Jesus. Sometimes he adds that to that. But his primary way of identifying himself was a slave to Christ. The biblical authors, they take this concept of the physical world around them to illustrate a more significant and spiritual point. Paul, he's using this term doulos, this term for slave, to illustrate something more profound. And as you read through, especially the book of Romans, you'll see that Paul is working this out so that people get this illustration so they catch it. One of the things we have to understand is that all of humanity was or is a slave to sin. That's, that's what the scriptures say, right? So all of humanity was or is currently a slave to sin. And what do we mean by sin? Because sometimes we as Christians, we have Christianese, right? We have these words that we like to say, that we like to throw out there, and we don't really spend time to define them. Um, sin is one of those things. We kind of just throw that out all the way, and we expect people to automatically 
know what we're talking about when we talk about sin. And like usually people have this kind of grasp of it, right? We think that sin is a bad thing that is done. But sin is an action by which humans rebel against God. They miss his purpose for their life, and they surrender to the power of evil rather than to God. And so this is the definition that's given to us for sin. Whenever we sin, we are being a slave to sin. That means that sin is our master. Disobedience to God is our master. And we all obey sin, right? Outside of Christ, all of us, all of us are included in this. All people are included in this slavery. Um, Paul brings this out in Romans 3. He's directed by the Holy Spirit to write this. And it says that there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. All have turned away. They have all become worthless, and no one who does good. Then he says, not even one. And if that's not clear enough, later in Romans 3.23, this is something short and sweet. We can memorize this. Paul says that all have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. So we see everybody is sinning. No one's righteous, not even one person. Everybody is sinning. And then Jesus, in John 8, 34, he nails home this point. He says that everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And so everyone, every single person is a slave to sin because everybody has sinned. And the result of sin, both spiritual and physical death occur. That is the result of our sin. But good news, we are not doomed to a life of slavery to sin, but rather we've been purchased by God. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. In 1 Corinthians 7.23, it says you were bought with a price, do not become slaves of men. And so there's this idea that we are bought with a price. Now, what is that price? Well, that price is Jesus, right? Jesus came. He lived the perfect life. He committed no sin. So he was not a slave to sin. He committed no sins. He is perfect. Absolutely perfect in everything that he said and did. And then he was betrayed. He was beaten. He was crucified. And in that crucifixion, in that, God poured out his wrath on Jesus. The wrath that you and I deserve, right? The death that you and I deserve. The wages of sin equals death. We deserve this death. Jesus takes our place. He takes our punishment upon himself. And the righteous requirements of God are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We are able to now be righteous because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It was that price, the blood of Christ, that purchases us from slavery to sin. We were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We were bought with a price, so do not become slaves to men. What is Paul talking about? He is saying, don't be afraid of men. Don't allow them to control your life. 
be owned by Christ. He bought you with a price, so therefore you belong to him. 1 Corinthians 10 um, says, Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is in Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. So Paul is saying, if you're confident that he is Christ, if a person's confident, remind himself that Christians and the apostles are also belonging to Christ. We're all belonging to Jesus, right? And so Romans um, 14, 7 and 8 says, none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Amazing. We belong to the Lord. Even the way that we're saved points to the fact that we are slaves to Christ, right? So Romans 10, 9 and 10, that's a verse that we go to to look at how salvation comes. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So as we're reading this, we need to slow down a little bit. We need to understand what's going on. All these verses, we really need to slow down a little bit more. I'm trying to hurry up through this. I don't want to take four hours to talk about this, even though I easily could. Um, but when we look at this, we want to slow down a little bit. We want to understand what's going on here. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, stop. Stop right there. Let's let's find out what this means. So if you confess, what does confess mean? Does it mean just to repeat a couple of words? Was, is that what that means? Uh, no, 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 no. The Bible is pointing out to something more than that. The original Greek word, according to BDAG, BDAG is a Greek dictionary, fantastic resource. Um, what it says is it means to commit oneself to do something for someone. That's what it means. It means committing yourself to do something for someone. It means a promise. It means assurance. It means agreement. It means profession. And so if we confess, if we promise to do something, what are we promising with our mouth? What are we taking an oath to do? What is this? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then what does that mean? Because for a lot of us, when we hear Lord, we think that that's just a nice little title that we add, like almost like a first name, right? The Lord Jesus. But... It's the title that is really important here. You see, we lost the meaning of Lord because we kind of exchange it just for a noun of God. But it is a title. And Lord means owner. It means master. When you look it up in the dictionary, the original Greek word means owner and master. And so... If you confess, if you promise with your mouth, if you commit yourself that Jesus is your master and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That is a lot different than just repeating a prayer. That's a lot different than what many 
churches bring forth as this is how you're saved. You see, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is our master. He is the king on the throne. He's in charge, right? And we are servants. We are slaves to him. And so we, once again, look. let's remind ourselves of that d- dictionary definition, right? A person totally responsible to and dependent upon another person. That's us, right? We are totally responsible to Jesus. We're totally dependent upon Jesus. That is us, 100%. We are slaves to Christ if we are Christians. That is not a negative thing. We, we kind of shrink back at that, right? Uh, Sam Storms, he wrote this really good article on this and in that article he said being a slave of jesus means that we are altogether loyal to him what he says is true is true because he says it we are not free to disagree to disagree is to sin what he says to do we do we are not free to disobey to disobey is sin and this might strike some of you as horrible but it is in fact where true joy and heartfelt satisfaction are found. John MacArthur, he says this, he says that slavery to Christ is much more than mere duty. It is motivated by a heart of longing devotion and pure delight. Because God first loved us and sent his son to redeem us from sin, now we love him. Longing from the heart to worship, to honor, to obey him in everything. Our slavery to him is not drudgery, but a joy-filled privilege made possible by his saving grace and the Spirit's continued working in our lives. This is the relationship, right? God is in our lives. He is working in us. And he loved us first. He sent his son to redeem us, to pay for our sins. And we look at that and we love him. And now because of that, we long in our heart to worship and honor and obey him in everything. This relationship, this belonging to Jesus is not hard. It's not something that we regret. It's something that brings joy and happiness in our lives. This belonging to Jesus, to God, is an intimate, loving, and protecting relationship. It's, it's similar to how a parent belong, how a child belongs to a parent. Parents don't belong to children. That, that's that's not that's not the right way to look at life. <laughs> but a a child somewhat belongs to a parent, right? The parent is responsible for that child. The child is responsible to the parent and the child totally dependent upon the parent. Just in the same way, a good child, he behaves and listens to their parent. They listen and obey and they don't scream. They don't cry too much. I don't know. I I don't have kids. so (laughs) I don't want to come too harsh to parents, but um, a good child behaves and listens to their parents. In the same type of way, we are servants. This relationship is like a child to a parent. Bible uses it to illustrate the close relationship God has with Christians. Not only are we slaves to God, but we're also children of God. That's another major theme in scripture. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Paul, the same guy that we've been talking about this entire episode. 
Um, he says that all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Wow. All who are led by the Spirit, that should be all Christians, they do not receive the spirit of slavery, but the spirit of adoption. Although we are slaves to Christ, Paul makes this clear in the same book. He calls himself a slave, right? Although we are in that relationship, the relationship and the spirit behind that connection is not one that a slave would have with their master. It isn't one of like, oh, I guess I have to do this. But rather, it's the one that a son would have with their father. It's that type of relationship. Oh, I want to make my dad proud. I want to do this because I want to make him pleased in me. This relationship is not just superficial. When we come to Christ, we are adopted into the family of God and we become joint heirs with Christ himself. That is what the scriptures say. We are not just mere slaves, but rather we become part of the family. We are adopted in and we aren't just a second place person but rather we become joint heirs with Christ himself something that is beyond comprehension and it's amazing we have this relationship of being slaves to Christ being sons of God and it is wonderful and so why are we called Dulos Radio why do we call ourselves this because we are servants to God. We are slaves to God. And that covers everything. Every part of us belongs to Christ. How we find enjoyment in things is under Christ. The way that we do sports, under Christ. The way that we watch movies, under Christ. The way that we interact with people, how we do our jobs. Every single aspect about who we are is under Christ. When we talk about all these different things, we'll be talking about sports, we'll be talking about movies, we'll be talking about politics, we'll be talking about all these things, and the overarching assumption of all of our discussions are going to be that we belong to Christ. And so that's why we're going to call ourselves Dulos Radio. Well, I hoped this episode was of interest that it was of benefit to you. Um, we're going to say goodbye. Um, God bless.